Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your family are doing well. We are in the subject of the blood covenant. And yesterday we talked about Yahweh Raphael, which means I am the Lord, your healer, or I'm the Lord, your physician. And today we're going to continue on Yahweh Shalom, which means I am the Lord, your peace. But before I go into that, I want to uh, wind up with the, uh, you know, yesterday's lesson with the scripture, the last scripture I read to you, which is very important. It bears reminding Numbers 23 verses 19 to 20. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a commandment to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Now, we have to remember one thing. Uh, this, you know, the importance of this scripture, because you see, here's the thing that God is unchanging. God is unchanging. His word is unchanging. Jesus Christ is still the same today. Because you see, if God changed, what would you and I have to stand on? Or if God changed his word, I mean, he said one thing yesterday, another thing tomorrow. If he contradicted his word, what would you and I ever stand on? We had nothing to stand on then. Because the word of God is the absolute, it's the solid rock on which everything is built. And the Bible says he upholds all things with the word of his power. That's Hebrews chapter 1. How God, he not only created the heavens and the earth with his power. So uh, when, when he says the creative word, that is the word that flows into action. It does something. But then uh, he upholds all things by the word of his power. And that is the word that upholds things that have, he has already created with his word. But he keeps everything in place, rock solid so that we can trust him, trust him, and we can always trust in words. So we live in a world where there's shifting sands. People's morality is shifting. The norms of society are shifting, but his word never shifts. His word never, never changes. So it says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. So God doesn't change his mind. He does not lie. And he does not say, oh, I, that not a son of man that he should repent. means that changes mind. God doesn't say, well, I said this, but uh, I think, you know, I, I've changed my mind about this. People do that. People change their mind about things, but God does not change his mind about anything. So he says, has he said and will he, will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Will God say something and not do it? He says, that is why. I have received a commandment to bless and I can, I can only bless because God has blessed it and I don't have the right to change it. So we're talking about Yahweh Raphael, that means the Lord our healer. And there's, you know, there's a lot of people these days, they say things, well, I know there's healing in the atonement, but sometimes it's not God's will to heal people. Listen, that's not true. Just because you had a disappointing experience or I had a disappointing experience. Have you and I ever been disappointed? Oh yeah. Have you ever prayed for something that it has not happened? Yes, it's true. I must admit it. But when it has not happened the way we expected it to happen, remember it is never God's fault. There, there is, there must be something that, you know, uh, without assigning blame on anyone, there's often things we don't understand. There's things going on behind the scenes and 
we don't understand. And the person we prayed for, maybe it's something between him and God, things that I don't know. So if I go and lay hands on a person and he dies, it does not mean that it's not God's will to heal him. It never, never changes the word of God because he is still Yahweh Rapha. I am the Lord, your physician. And so uh, and when, when that has happened, you know, when that happens, I've seen that I prayed for people who have not died. I mean, who have not been healed, who have died. So what do I do? I just keep my mouth shut and move on because my trust, my faith is in the Bible. And I will never build a theology on my experience. I, I, I will not say, well, you know, I believed and uh, I know, but you know, God has something else. So what we are doing, we're actually blaming God. What we are saying, we mask it and cover it up and say, well, it's the sovereignty of God. But what we are actually doing is calling God a liar. Listen, listen to this thing about the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign, but that does not mean that his sovereignty extends to his contradicting his own word or changing his own word. That doesn't make him sovereign. That makes him a liar. The sovereignty of God actually works in the other direction that God heals people, he saves people, he touches people who do not meet his conditions. You know, God has certain conditions he has set into place, which are faith and obedience. Those are conditions to receive something from God. But we see many, many times people who don't meet his conditions, but he is so merciful that he is so good that he extends his hands and touches people who don't meet his conditions. Now that is the sovereignty of God. That not that God does less than what he has promised, but the sovereignty of God means that God does more than what he has promised. But what about the human experiences? Well, I can look at it this way. I see more people healed today than I did 30 years ago. Yes, that's true. I see more people healed today than I see than I saw 30, 35 years ago. And you know why? It's not because God has changed, that God is healing more people. No, he has always been the same. It's Christopher Alam who is changing. As I change, as I grow, and be more like Jesus and uh, grow in my faith and grow in my understanding of the knowledge of God as I come closer to Jesus, I see more and more miracles take place. Now, will I ever reach the place when everybody I pray for is healed all the time? You know what? I don't know, but I have serious doubt about it because why is that though there's a growth in my faith, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. I look at myself and I think I praise God for what he's doing in my life, but I don't think I will ever be at the place in this life when I'll be 100% like Jesus. And um, I hope so. I hope it happens. And if it does happen, that probably the first human being on earth who will be able to stand up and say, hey, I'm 100% like Jesus. But the moment I say that I am not 100% like Jesus, because suddenly this element of pride has kept up in my life because Romans 12 actually tells us, don't think of yourself higher than you ought to, but uh, think of yourself soberly. So how do you approach these things? We approach these things on your knees, you know, not with theological debates and discussions and writing books and preaching sermons on, well, you know, God says this, but sometimes it's not his will. No, these things should be approached on your knees with fasting and prayer, with tears in your eyes, tears of compassion for people who are suffering, 
hearts that seek God. Oh, Jesus, I want to be more and more like you so they can use me to touch those people who are hopeless, who, whose situation is very difficult. Use me. It is when we come to God with that attitude, with tears and on our knees, that is when God can use us to touch people. But those answers, those existentialist questions we have, I doubt whether we will ever know everything on this life. So I have resigned myself to this. I will never understand everything. But when I get to heaven, my questions will be answered. But then I thought when I'm in heaven and I'm in the presence of Jesus, who's interested in those answers to those questions? Because standing in front of Jesus face to face is the culmination of all things. So sometimes, listen, as you, as you pray for people, as you minister to people, you preach the fullness of the word of God that Jesus bore all our diseases, carried all our pains and with his stripes we are healed and God is Yahweh Rapha and Jesus is the same yesterday, tomorrow. Preach that with boldness. Doesn't matter what happens around you. You preach that with boldness. But when you have questions, when things, you go through human disappointments, you pray for someone, someone dies, you know what you do? Get on your knees and weep before God, seek his face, worship God and say, Jesus, just do your work in my life. Use me more and more so you can use me to touch more people. Then you go to the person's family, the person who has died. And the Bible says, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. And that is our human existence on this earth. We serve God with all our hearts. We have great mountaintops of victory, but we also have valleys where we have unanswered questions. But through all things, we are full of hope. We are full of faith and we are full of rejoicing. And we believe that the word of God is 100% true. And it is the way God has said it is. And it cannot be any other way. So before I go into Yahweh Shalom, let me read the scripture one more time. This is very, very important. If you want to understand and walk in healing ministry, it's very, very important. So Numbers 23, 19 to 20 remembers this. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, you and I, I have received a commandment to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. I will only open my mouth and say what God says, even if it goes against my understanding or my experience. Glory be to God. Now, let's go to Yahweh Shalom. I am the Lord, your peace. Shalom means peace. In Arabic, it's salam. There's the same word, but Hebrew and Arabic, they're related languages. Yahweh Shalom. Now, the first thing I want to tell you that the word Shalom is found in the Old Testament 239 times. The word Shalom is found in the Old Testament 239 times. That means it is uh, used quite a lot. You know, it's a, it's a word that is used many, many times. So, Yahweh Shalom. Now, this is what the word Shalom means. Because when we think of Shalom, we think it means peace. But this is what the word actually means. It means favor. Shalom means having favor. You know how the Bible says that Jesus, he had favor with God and with man. So, Shalom means favor. Shalom means good health mental and physical health. Shalom means favor with God and with man. 
Shalom means good health, mental and physical. Shalom means peace. Peace is the absence of turmoil, the absence of war, the absence of conflict, when everything is still inside you and also outside you. That is peace. And sometimes that peace, when you have the peace of God, you will have it inside you, even if it's not there outside you. So shalom means favor, good health, peace. Shalom means prosperity, means well-being. Uh, financial well-being and you prosper you know the Bible talks about the prosperity of the soul and the uh, you know and financial prosperity and prosperity actually means uh, that it may go well with you in your journey of life so that's what prosperity means shalom means rest when your mind your soul your heart is at rest especially in the days we are living in there's so much of turmoil so much of difficulty and people are concerned you know many people are asking me what's going to happen the economic system is going to collapse or oh there's there's unrest and this rioting it's very important that in this situation look it is what it is out there but we must have peace inside we must we cannot let that turmoil that is in the world come inside us and begin to eat us up as it is eating up the world outside. So that means rest. And shalom also means well-being and welfare. That means well-being, your personal well-being in spirit, in soul, and in body. Shalom also means all is well, when all, everything is well with you. You remember that song? It is well, it is well with my soul. I mean, all is well. Shalom means safety, safety, when you're safe and secure, safety in a troubled world, safe from diseases, safe from the attacks of the enemy. And shalom means completeness and wholeness. When you are a whole <coughs> and complete person, when your spirit, your soul, your body, are in harmony with God and in his, with his word. So that's what shalom means. So shalom is a big, it's a, it's, it's a word that is big, a, a word that has many facets of meaning. It's like a diamond. When you have a diamond, if you look at a diamond closely, a cut diamond, it has uh, many, many facets, you know. Uh, sometimes a diamond has 72, 80, 90, I'm not a stone cutter, but it has many, many facets. And and, and the way it is cut is that it reflects the light. The light enters the diamond and there is a process called refraction. So it goes in every direction. So you turn around, you will see different uh, ways the light ref is reflected by every facet. So, so, and your life is like that. And, and shalom has many, many facets. And so, so shalom, the most commonly used uh, uh, meaning or un most commonly understood meaning of the word shalom is peace, but it means, as I said, it means favor. It means having favor with God and with man. It means good, having good mental and physical health. It means having peace and absence of turmoil, absence of conflict. It means prosperity, financial, soulish prosperity, prosperity of the soul, financial prosperity, every part of your being. It means rest, that means your soul your mind is at rest, no matter how conflicted or full of turmoil the world, the world is, you are at rest. Well-being, that means well-being, your well-being. It is well with my soul and your welfare. 
well-being. Shalom means all is well with you. Shalom means safety, that you are safe and protected. And shalom means completeness, that you're complete. So let's look at some scriptures here. Psalm 25 verse 12. It says, therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. So shalom is, is God's, one of God's covenant names. So uh, the covenant we have, the people of Israel had with God was also, uh, you know, Abraham had and the people of Israel had was a covenant of peace. It was, you know, not just a covenant of healing. Uh, I'm the Lord that healeth thee and all that. I'm the Lord, your physician or Yahweh Nisi, which means I'm the Lord, your banner of victory. But it was also a covenant of peace. Covenant of peace. It says, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. Hallelujah. Peace, this peace where, and all the different facets of the meaning of shalom, you know, um, uh, peace and rest and wholeness and good health and healing. Uh, all these things, all these things coming together are part of the covenant of peace. Hallelujah. Numbers 6, 25 to 26. And there's a, you know, there's a blessing. And in fact, many churches I know use that. Uh, church I used to attend in Sweden used to use this at the end of every service. It says, the Lord um, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. This is actually a prayer from Numbers Chapter 6, verses 25 to 26. The Lord lift up his countenance, or the, may the Lord lift up his face upon you and give you peace. So this was a prayer, a blessing. May the Lord lift up his face towards you and give you peace. Psalm 122, verses 6 to 8 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We are commanded, it's a commandment, that we should pray for the shalom of Jerusalem. We should pray for the peace of Jerusalem, especially in these days when we read in the in the news about what's happening in Jerusalem, a lot of bad things happening in the, you know, in the in the holy I call it the Holy Land, in the in the, in the nation of Israel, and um, God says that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem and priests, not just for the city, but everybody who lives there. As you go to Jerusalem, most of the people are Jews, but there's also Christians who live in Jerusalem. Then there's Muslims who live in Jerusalem. So everybody who is an inhabitant of Jerusalem, whether they be Jews or who are the majority of the population, or they're Christians or they're Jews, and there may be other people like Druze and other people, we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for all the inhabitants of the city. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. For the sake of our brothers, we shall say, peace be upon you. So we should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem and we shall be uh, speaking peace over the city of Jerusalem. Amen. That's what we can do. You and I as Christians cannot solve all the problems of the Middle East, but we can always pray for the peace of Jerusalem and we can speak peace and peace be within the walls of the holy city and <clears throat> within the walls of the city. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 10. It says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak 
peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. He says, the Lord shall speak peace to the nations. So in, say, in the last scripture, it was peace to the city of Jerusalem. But in Zechariah 9, 10, it's peace over all the nations of the earth. We should speak peace over the city of Jerusalem. We should speak peace over the city of, uh, uh, oh, sorry, over the land of Israel. And we shall speak peace to all the nations. We shall speak peace to the, uh, you know, uh, you, if you look at the map, because I know them, I, I, I actually visualize and see the picture, you know, the world map within my uh, within my um, mind, I, as I'm talking to you, I can see the world map. As I see this, it says, so we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but we pray for the peace of Jordan and Lebanon and Syria and Saudi Arabia. And, uh, and then you've got Egypt on the south and you got, uh, you know, then you've got, uh, you got Syria, you've got Turkey, then you've got Greece, and then you've got uh, uh, Albania, then you've got Bulgaria and, and you've got Kosovo and you've got all the Eastern European countries, the Balkan countries, you know, they're all troubled. And the Bible tells us we shall speak peace upon those countries. We shall now say peace be upon them because God speaks peace upon the nations. Then we come to Western Europe, Central and Western Europe nations on the West. As we go to the East, we see Persia, which is Iran and Pakistan, India and Nepal and Bangladesh. Then we come to Southeast Asia and we go South towards Africa. We go North towards Russia and all that. You know, we shall speak peace. That is what the Bible says, that God speaks peace to the nation. And he says, his dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Then in Isaiah 54 verse 10, it says, For the mountains, mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord that has mercy on thee. So God has a covenant of peace with the people of Israel. And he says, my covenant uh, of peace shall not be removed. That means even now that covenant of peace stands, God speaks peace upon, you know, uh, upon the land of Israel and upon all the nations of the earth. Leviticus 26 verse 6, and it says, I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. And I will uh, rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. This is God says, I will give peace in the land and then you'll be at rest and you will, shall not be afraid and I will get rid of the evil and the sword shall not go through your land. That's a wonderful promise that God gave to the people of Israel in the book of Leviticus. And right now that is what they need the most. Psalm 29 verse 11. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord is, will bless his people with peace. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalm 37 verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So those who are meek and who are humble, they are the ones who shall inherit the earth and they shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Psalm 147, 12 to 14. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of thy gates. He has blessed thy children within thee. He maketh peace in thy borders and filleth thee with the finest of the wheat. Hallelujah. So God gives them peace within the borders. It says 
he, you know, he talks to Jerusalem, he talks to Zion and he says, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord, O Zion, all the people of Jerusalem and Zion, praise the Lord, because the Lord has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace at your borders and fills you with the finest of the wheat. So of wheat, of the wheat, says God's perfect love and his covenant brings rest and peace to the one who believes. Israel had peace whenever they were in faith, but when they did not walk in faith, they had trouble and the power of the covenant could not help them much. Really, if you study the story of Israel, you will see that all those covenant promises were true. And as long as they walked with God, as long as they uh, followed uh, his word, you, could, you can see they had peace, they had blessing, they had prosperity. But the moment they backslid, they backslid somehow they walked away from the covenant and the blessings of the covenant could not touch them, could not affect them. But as long as they were in the word, stayed in God's word and obeyed God and worshipped him, those were the times they were blessed. <coughs> and you will see that. You will see that it goes like a cycle throughout the history of the people of Israel. When they walked with God, they were blessed. The covenant, uh, the blessings of the covenant came upon them. But when they backslid, they walked out of the blessings of the covenant. The enemy had the upper hand and they suffered. Then they would repent and they would turn back to God and then the covenant blessings would come upon them again. Then after some time, they backslide again, the same situation again. That's the story of Israel went around and around in cycles. But the point is that whenever they were in faith, whenever they trusted the word of God and they followed God wholeheartedly, they were always blessed. Hallelujah. And now Isaiah 26 verse, verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It says that God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So that means that if our minds are, are set on the Lord and we trust him with all our heart and uh, our minds and our hearts are set on the Lord, we will have perfect peace because our mind is stayed on you. Verse uh, Psalm 119 ver, uh, verse 165. It said, great peace have they who love your law. Nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. Hallelujah. That means those who love the law of the Lord, nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. Those who love God's word, nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. You know, it's, it's true. It's interesting when you, when, you, when you love the word of God and the word of God abides in you, you will abide in you, you will always have peace. Doesn't matter what turmoil there is in the world or uh, around you, you will always have peace because you love the word of God. And that's why I want to be a man who loves the word of God. I want to stay in God's word because I know I will have peace. And he says, and nothing shall offend them and make them stumble. These days, people are so offended. People are angry. People are offended. They're angry at this and offended. I get tired when I meet with church people and talk about oh, these people, Black Lives Matter is doing this. And these people, the anarchists, the Antifa is doing this. They're always upset and angry at somebody. And they're offended at some, listen, the Bible says, you know, firstly, your being angry and upset will not solve anything. It does not. But you, for you and me, our first duty is to protect our own hearts. The Bible says above all things, protect your hearts because from it, uh, uh, from it 
proceed the issues of life. If you and I are offended at everything that happens in the world and we carry that offense, so we become uh, Americans or Republicans or whatever it is before we are Christians and we get offended, we get angry at all this that's going on around us and we carry that anger, what it does, it, 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 we carry that offense uh, because we, we are offended. We are angry, we are offended. And secondly, it makes us to stumble. It makes us to stumble and then we forget that the people we are offended at who are doing all those bad things, they are loved by Jesus just as much as you and I are loved by Jesus. You know, it's a sobering thought. I have to remind myself constantly that those people I'm upset at who do all these terrible things that make me angry, Jesus loves them just as much as he loves me. And he, he, he doesn't love me more than he loves them. He loves them just as much as he loved me. And when I understand that, then I begin to view people in a different light and I begin to walk in the peace of God myself. I begin to pray more. I begin to love more. I begin to share the word of God more. I begin to pray for people's salvation. Because if, if your mind and your heart are in the wrong place, it doesn't matter how sincere your, uh, your intentions. Listen, what happens out there, the things that you hear, the things that you see, Ultimately, they begin to get you. They begin to offend you. And when that happens, you begin to stumble and you begin to walk at a level far lower than you should be walking in as a believer. So that's why if we love the word of the Lord, if we love the word of the Lord, we keep ourselves free from offense, from stumbling. Anyway, we'll talk, we'll talk more tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon their lives, upon their families. I ask you to bless them, Father, meet every need they have. Use them mightily for your glory. Father, I thank you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, let it be so with our lives. Let us walk in your love and in your mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.